what's happened is the enhancement of the digital experience that was going to happen over five, ten years has happened in five, ten weeks. We've all learned to accept online education. We've all learned to accept full online meetings. We've all learned to accept interviewing and hiring people in senior management roles and never having met them. These things were inconceivable three, four months ago. Nobody would have bet that. I am joined this week by Ahmed Al-Afi, who is the founder and chairman of Soiree Ventures. Ahmed is a veteran investor and VC with several successful IPOs, uh, many successful investments under his belt in the Silicon Valley world. And him and his partners have really gained some, some deep expertise on the Egypt tech and innovation landscape. And I'm really grateful to have him here with us today. So Ahmed, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you, Andrew. So Amin, can you start us off with just telling us the story of your transition from the world of Silicon Valley uh, into the startup scene in North Africa and specifically Cairo? So I actually spent most of my time in Southern California and uh, Northern California was business and investments, but uh, I was more into the Southern California startup scene. And I can tell you it's much more challenging in the Middle East. I moved to Egypt after 37 years in Los Angeles in 2006. The uncontrollable factors are much more at play in emerging markets, the surprises. And since 2008, we've had five, six shocks to the system, some of which were global, like the 2008 financial crisis, and some of which were local, like 2011, there was a revolution. 2013, there was a counter-revolution. 2015, there was a currency devaluation, 2016. The kind of seismic shifts that happen make it a bit more difficult, but it's part of the challenge of kind of getting through the whole the whole flow of growing a company. Mm. And so how, how do VCs react to something like that? Like this capital freeze up? Like what, can you walk us through what some of those experiences were like? I would say the first challenge is balancing ethics and the commitments you've made, the handshakes you have, uh, while we chose that while everybody else was kind of re-evaluating their handshakes, we kept ours. We didn't cancel or re-value any commitments we'd made prior to any seismic events. That might have, maybe in the long run, that costs a little bit of money, but I think it's something that we're comfortable with. And I'd say in shocks and in general, major events, your ethics and the speed with which you respond and make decisions are the two most important things. Because nobody really knows the future. Nobody can guess what's going to happen. You just must process daily. And you have to process daily with a code of conduct and fast. Yeah, I think that's very wise. The whole Egypt tech and innovation ecosystem is it completely concentrated in Cairo or are there other innovation hubs that are you know, equally gaining traction around the country? No, I would say it's very concentrated in Cairo. And I think in most emerging markets, the, and I think it's across the world, in most emerging markets, the tech and innovation hub is in one city, usually the capital, until you get to countries like China and Brazil and India, and then it can be dispersed because you have resources that are spread throughout the country. Right. Now that makes sense. And so what, what sectors have you seen develop over, over the years? 
I mean, I guess the, the problem is COVID changes so much, right? And so how has that evolved and what, what's different now? That, that wasn't different a couple of months ago. So maybe let's, I'll, I'll go back and answer the first part of the question, which is the things that people were concentrating on is how do we replicate what worked in the West and maybe kind of using the successes as a little crystal ball of this will work. And, and then it was copy paste, innovate a little bit. And now people are looking at how do we create local solutions and not try and impose a solution developed for a different market. Post-COVID, I'm not really sure that we can all tell, but what's happened is the enhancement of the digital experience that was going to happen over 5, 10 years has happened in 5, 10 weeks. We've all learned to accept online education. We've all learned to accept full online meetings. We've all learned to accept interviewing and hiring people in senior management roles and never having met them. These things were inconceivable three, four months ago. Nobody would have bet that. So I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of small tweaks and tools to allow us to connect a little bit better as people continue to interact only digitally. And so once a Cairo-based startup is ready to expand beyond Egypt, are you finding that they decide to launch into other North African countries, or are you seeing them focus more so on, on the Middle East, uh, on countries like Bahrain and Kuwait? Most startups in Egypt depends on the market, but if they're after the mass consumer market, it's Egypt. If they're after the more affluent consumer market, the easiest market to penetrate in Saudi and that used to be easier a few years ago than it is now because local Saudi entrepreneurs are doing a fantastic job really developing products and services for their local market. And a lot of the companies throughout the Middle East have traditionally gone to Dubai for funding. I actually think that that's going to have a material change as well as we see movement of different, of different populations, the concept of living in one country and working in another is probably not going to be as convenient as it was. And so the, the people that used to commute in and out to Dubai or to Qatar or to, you know, even to Cairo, some of them will actually choose to not commute in and maybe telecommute in. And that'll change the dynamics of funding. The other variable is funding in other markets outside of Dubai has really increased. So there's more funding available in Egypt. And there's a lot more funding available, for example, in Saudi Arabia for local companies than there was before. A big part of that's been driven by their local initiatives and a lot of government support. In Egypt, we've had some government support, but foreign investors are actually seeing that local investments in Egypt and startups present a good opportunity and that they're a large contributor to potential economic growth. I want to go back, if you don't mind, to one other point, which is I didn't mention fintech. Fintech is growing rapidly throughout the Middle East. And we've, I've been arguing for a while now that governments need to look at fintech as infrastructure. Fintech has to be seen like the roads that the government builds to enhance commerce and financial inclusion and access to online transactions is infrastructure in developing markets. It's an important component, not just the fiber optic cable, not just sending the signal, not just getting the goods and services or the transportation. 
but actually consummating that transaction and paying uh, and being able to send and receive money has yeah, to be one of the foundations. Yeah, I do think that sometimes we let ourselves get too caught up in the conversation of fintech. Uh, there's other sectors that I think need to be discussed a little bit more. I'd be curious to hear from you if there's anyone doing interesting things in mobility, 3D printing, or biotech in Egypt. Do you have any portfolio companies in that space? One of our portfolio companies makes a spectrometer on a chip. And a spectrometer is a device that can measure the composition of any solid liquid or gas. So this device in a handheld device can be used for food safety, which is important throughout Africa. You can check if the meat you're eating is not mixed with something else, whether it's fake milk, whether the food is toxic, even what the protein content of the wheat that you're buying is rather than and how much water for larger trade. It can measure blood alcohol and blood sugar through the skin without having to take blood. The, 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 the uses are really endless. Uh, and this is probably one of the most advanced tech companies that will come out of Egypt in my lifetime. So there's some serious science going on. So for outside entrepreneurs or investors coming into Egypt, what are some of the most important things that they should know about the market uh, in order to conduct successful business? That could be things about the culture, things about the opportunities, how to structure the business. Uh, what, what, what do you think they need to know? The, the biggest advice, the best advice is mold your idea and your expectations of the people you're going to work with around them, not around your impression of how it should be and how you did it in Berlin or how you did it in New York or San Francisco. You have to work with the people the way they work, optimize that, and not fit them into your mold. I think the few companies that have done that successfully have seen one of the better talent pools at a very, very competitive cost globally versus any market. So give us your prediction over the next five years, which North African ecosystems are going to become the leaders? Uh, I mean, right now, there's a lot of leading startup ecosystems across all of Africa that's emerging, specifically in Morocco and Egypt. And it seems like a lot's happening in Tunisia as well. So what's your prediction over the next five years? You know, who comes out on top and then who... Uh, who do you think surprises us? So which one I think will be the leader will be Cairo for sure because of the sheer size. Uh, it's, that's not a fair comparison comparing Cairo versus other cities in North Africa. Uh, but I think that in Tunis and in Morocco, uh, there will be hubs and there will be growth, but they will be focusing on different markets. The Tunisian entrepreneurs typically focus on Tunis and Europe, sometimes sub-Saharan Africa. Moroccan entrepreneurs focus a little bit on Europe, more on sub-Saharan Africa. And Egyptian entrepreneurs look towards the Gulf first after their local market and then Europe. But I definitely think that the deepest science and tech, AI, deep tech will come out of Cairo in the whole Arab world. Uh, I think it's just a factor of sheer numbers and as well as number of engineering schools. We have as many engineering, we have more engineering universities than any other country in the Middle East and Africa. And, and what's what's the capital city of, of Tunisia? Tunis. Okay, so the, so Tunisia's hub is going to be concentrated in Tunis. Morocco, it'll be Casablanca. Casablanca, yes. Um, and do you think 
any of these three countries can have a, a secondary hub? Egypt might have a secondary hub in Alexandria. It's a large enough city and people like to live there. There are a few companies, but I'm not sure it'll develop to be a hub. Got it. Awesome. Well, Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us today. Andrew, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Good luck to you as you canvas all the emerging markets.